Welcome to the Art in the 48 podcast, your Arizona arts connection. I'm Craig Baumler. On this episode, learn about the art of storm chasing photography and why Arizona is a goldmine for storm photographers. In the second half, we'll meet photographer Mike Olbinski and hear about his storm chasing experiences. In certain parts of the U.S., a severe weather warning from the National Weather Service is a signal to find shelter, a basement, a cellar, a sturdy room in the center of the house. In parts of Arizona, those weather warnings are most frequently issued for dust storms, and they come with very important advice. Stay off the roads. But for some people, severe weather warnings are a cue to grab their vehicle and head out. If you've seen the movie Twister, you're familiar with what these people do. They're storm chasers, and they make a hobby or even a living of getting as close as possible to weather events that drive the rest of us indoors. Most storm chasers aren't thrill seekers. They're researchers. Live observation of extreme weather events has been providing important information for centuries. And when storm chasers observe the development and aftermath of those events, they gather data that can help make us all safer. But there's another breed of storm chaser, one you may not even be aware of. These chasers are often taking the same risks, but heading out with a different mission and carrying different tools. These are artists, the professional photographers and videographers who document not how severe weather events work, but how they look. Okay, guys, we're in uh, south of Buckeye, rainbow washed. I was just driving by it to go chase maybe some storms over there. Mike Olbinski is one of those artists. You may not know his name, but if you live in the Phoenix area, you're sure to know his work. Olbinski is the photographer who took that historic series of time-lapse images on July 5, 2011, as a monumental wave of dust rolled over and engulfed the Valley of the Sun. You'll meet Mike in the next segment of this podcast. We invite your feedback on this podcast. Please connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, where we will be keeping you up to date on your local Arizona arts events. There it is, on the ground, straight ahead of us. Tornado on the ground, directly in front of us. Storm chasing of both varieties, scientific and artistic, began with David Hoadley. Born in Indiana in 1938, Hoadley was a budget analyst for the federal government with a passion for severe weather. He trained himself in meteorology and scheduled vacations for peak storm season in the central states referred to as Tornado Alley. Now in his 80s, Hoadley is recognized as the father of storm chasing. And while researchers valued Hoadley's data-gathering skills, he had another reason for chasing storms. He was also an accomplished photographer, videographer, and sketch artist. 
For Hoadley and other storm-chasing artists, the chase is about sharing an experience most of us will never have and many of us never want to. Tornadoes make for good movies, but Arizona has relatively few of them. So storm-obsessed artists in the 48th state have to find their inspiration in other impressive events. The desert landscape means the weather can change quickly, particularly during monsoon season, and that provides plenty of material to work with. Towering cloud formations, flaming sunsets, rainbows that span the horizon, and spectacular displays of lightning are favorites. Some professional photographers and videographers who specialize in Arizona weather offer workshops and even tours for amateurs who want to capture those fleeting moments. The first tool they all recommend? Advanced planning using the most up-to-date weather maps and forecasts. They can also promote safety. Desert thunderstorms may not move as fast as tornadoes, but they can still be dangerous. Flash floods that appear in minutes can sweep away everything in their path. Lightning can strike anything standing among the saguaros. And that infamous seasonal threat in Arizona, the dust storm we call the Haboob, does travel quickly. Arizona storm chasers who head out on the highway looking for that perfect shot can easily find their chase vehicle suddenly plunged into darkness. Still, for Michael Binsky and his kindred artists, the chase goes on. They believe, as David Hoadley believes, storms may be ephemeral brief events, but documenting them through art means they can still inspire wonder, months and years later, in all of us. Mike took a break from storm chasing to come down to our studios and have a chat with me about his work. I'm a photographer, so I'm definitely not a scientist. Photography is what drew me to it, I would say. Lightning specifically. Ever since I was a kid, I grew up here, born and raised in Arizona. You know, if you're from here, the thunderstorms we get in the summer are spectacular and they're awesome because it's usually just hot and dry. We don't get any rain. So I grew up loving those. My dad loved them. My brother loved them. Like, so we were just big on storms. And once I got into storm chasing and photography, I kind of had this realization that as a kid, when I was like seven or eight, I was sitting watching a storm with my dad on the patio and a lightning bolt hit just like a couple hundred feet behind her house. I still remember it vividly, like being blinded for what felt like five or 10 seconds. And later in life, when I, I was just really into the weather and I was looking at this Wonderground website, looking at photos for people and the lightning photos just blew my mind. And I'm like, how do people capture those? This is insane. Like, I want to learn how to do that. So that's kind of where it started. I was like, I need to learn how to take a lightning photo. I want to learn how to do that. And I had a little dumpy camera, went outside down the street a few times, tried to do it 13 and a half years ago. And that's kind of how it started. How are your photos different from, say, other lightning photos? I've had people tell me, you know, I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw this photo and I knew it was yours immediately. But it's not even so much of how it looks when it's edited as much as how I capture it when I'm out there. And I am very, very much about kind of minimalistic areas, flat spaces. And if it's a lightning photo, I want to see where the lightning lands and hits the ground if I can. I'll have a great lightning storm in front of me and I won't take a shot if I am not in the most perfect area.
the community aspect of it. All the chasers, all the personalities, that's real. Like the passion, the excitement, everyone getting in their cars and driving. Like that happens every day, especially right now in the spring. There's just tornadoes, supercells and stuff. And that's what you do. You sit at a gas station and also you take off. So I had my friend Mark following me. I'm up there. My friend John is up there, of course, because it was supposed to be a good day. And there were other chasers up there. We all forecast. We look at weather models and we knew there'd be storms at the Grand Canyon. So we all ended up there. There's really good people, really good friends. And there's competition. I have made amazing friends, not just here in this country, but all over the world. People fly out from Australia, Canada, Italy, Portugal, Kuwait, all over to chase the storms, especially in the central plains. And sometimes they come here to Arizona too because our lightning and dust storms are out of control. So there's amazing people out there and especially all the photographers I've met around the world. And you were raised in Arizona yeah, as well. Absolutely. So is, is that why you're attracted to this place? You know, I grew up here. I drove down the street to try to get lightning when I was first trying and I live here. And at the same time when I was getting into storm photography, I was also just randomly also getting into portrait photography and wedding photography. I do that as well part of the year. I do usually from around middle October to right around now, mid-April. I do weddings. I do senior portraits, family photos. It's a great change of, of pace. So I'm not just exhausted, you know, chasing all year round. I do that on the side. And so Having started my business in weddings and portraits and the storm stuff here, it's kind of my home now. I know so many of the local meteorologists, even the TV meteorologists, the guys behind the scenes creating the models. And since it's home base and I've, you know, been chasing dust storms for a decade now, whenever there's a production company that needs dust storm footage, the next Planet Earth film, they're trying to get dust storms or like BBC and all these different ones that need that stuff. I'm kind of a go-to person to help guide them different documentaries and stuff like that. So this is kind of my home and I love it. We were supposed to have an interview on Thursday, but you went to Oklahoma. Now, you can't just say, I'm going to get on a plane and go to Oklahoma and be there and assume the storm is there. <laughs> what was compelling about that that took you away and quickly? Well, the weather models, you know, looking the day before, I have a lot of good friends that a lot of them live out there, Oklahoma City, you know, around that area. And they're like, look at this. You know, this looks really good. We got slow moving, southeast moving storms, which are usually tend to be really photogenic and a good chance that maybe a tornado and it's really close to Oklahoma City and I'm like, do I really want to fly out for just one day? Because the day after, Thursday, did not look that good. Wednesday looked pretty decent, like really good. And I wasn't thinking I was going to go. And then I log in to Southwest to look at flights, and I have like $500 in travel funds sitting there expiring in three days. And it, oh my I didn't gosh. even know I had them. I haven't even, I didn't look. Sometimes I fly back and forth and I cancel flight and forget and just dumb, absent-minded. And I'm like, well, this has got to be a sign. My friend Brett, I'm like, dude, this is a sign, right? I need to come. He's like, yeah. So it only cost me 40 bucks round trip to go out there with yeah. the travel fund. So I'm like, well, I'm going to do it. And we got lucky. Storms went up like we were hoping they would. And they were beautiful, photogenic, low precipitation, we call, where you got these nice little spinny updrafts, not a lot of rain. So you can see like they call barber poles. So it's spinning. And I'm kind of like on the south side of this one storm, west side of these others, and the sunset starts happening. Supercell lights up in orange, and then to my right, I've got erupting 
towers of storms are on, on the other side of it. And oh, so wow. they're just lighting up orange and the colors are spectacular. And I'm so rusty. It's my first chase out. I was like trying to like remember everything and I hadn't really done this in a while. So, um, so it was great. You know, it was kind of a last minute thing and that's what happens sometimes. I got some great time lapse as well. And I've been doing that for a decade. 2011 is the first time I ever did a time lapse. And it was, I think, my third time doing one. And it was July 5th, 2011. And we had this historic dust storm hit Phoenix. And I time lapsed it, went viral. Is that the famous one that looks like the giant tidal wave of brown coming over? Yes. Yeah, it was like bluish and brownish colors and crazy tones. And, you know, I posted it that night, went viral. It was like all over the world. And what surprised me about that was that I was doing it because I loved it. I'm like, I want to see what these look like. I've never seen a real time lapse of one. And immediately people were trying to license it for stuff like commercials. Al Gore licensed it for climate change talks and all this stuff. I love doing this anyway, so I'm just going to keep doing it and see what happens. So I kept time lapsing. So that has resulted in like a whole business that I didn't even know was a thing where now licensing is such a huge part of my business. I've licensed uh, almost every major car company. And you won an Emmy. It was because it was on the news. Explain that. It was with uh, Channel 3 and Royal Norman, April Warnicky. Every year they do a monsoon special for awareness to help the public be aware of our thunderstorm season, dust storms, how to drive and be wary of lightning. And Royal was like, we really want to up our game this year and do a good job. So I want to use your footage for it. We're going to give you a photographer credit because we're going to be using it. And so he gave me a credit in that. And then they got nominated for an Emmy, went to the Emmy uh, celebration bought my first suit. It comes to our category and and announced us winning. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that we won and Jim Cantori announced it. So we got to go on stage and get the Emmys and that was fantastic. My time-lapse footage of my work is what helped make their special better. So there's so many cool things that have happened and sometimes I got to pinch myself and not, and, and try to just take it easy and not get, you know, a big head because I'm blown away by the people that need this kind of footage for all kinds of different things out there. And um, it's amazing to me and a blessing, and, I, and I'm so happy I get to do this. Do certain types of storms make for better pictures? Supercells that look like otherworldly UFOs, motherships, they tend to make really good photos. When people see pictures of them, their minds are blown, and they're like, wow, how can that be real? So Those make really good photos. But, you know, I've also just seen photos of backside of a storm where bubbly mammatus and a rainbow and streaks of light are just as good. So storms, to me, what's beautiful in them can be anything. And you have to kind of see it when you're out there. You got to know what's going to look good. And the longer you do it, you have better instincts of that. I think if I had a choice of what I could shoot the rest of my life, I would probably say lightning. But supercells, tornadoes, I love all of it. I'm friends with a lot of chasers that get really close. I'm a photographer, and I don't like rain on my lenses. I don't want hail busting my very expensive equipment up. And so when you're out of the rain, you're generally not as close to where the tornado's happening. So, And I also want to get a time lapse of it. If I'm too close to a tornado and trying to time lapse it, they move so fast in general that a time lapse is is not going to capture but like a couple minutes of it before it moves, you know, off frame. Sure. So, so sometimes being a little bit further away lets me capture more of it. I do like to always bring up my family if I ever talk about this because I get to go out, um, especially this time of year, and chase storms and be gone. And granted, it's a business now, so it's not 
I'm not going out and just wasting the family's money and making us go broke. But my wife, Gina, she's been supportive since the first time I was trying to shoot lightning with a dumpy camera. And she was, you know, right there supporting me from the beginning when there was no reason other than he just really likes this. Do your children think what you do is cool? Yeah, they go with me. My daughter's been going with me. She's 13 and a half now. She's been going with me since she's a year and a half. And it was a way to get out of the house and give my wife a break. And I'd put her in the back seat safe and she'd watch movies. And um, I've taken them just, just last spring. I flew all of them to Denver. We drove to Nebraska and I got them in front of this big old supercell, had them all jump in front of the supercell and it became our Christmas card uh, this last year. <laughs> when I can take them along just for an adventure, it's fun. Has anything really scary ever happened to you? Have you ever felt your life was actually in danger? I've been in some hairy situations where these storms that are possible, tornadoes, those are the ones that are scarier, where you're kind of cut in front of them to get on the south side of it, the safe side. We're in the spot north of Goodland, Kansas, and we get past where the circulation would be. This hail core wraps around on the south side of it and just envelops us where we're getting hit by golf ball-sized hail, and it's basically zero visibility car in front of us stops we have to stop and we can't go anywhere and we're just getting slammed so the hail is just hitting the side windows and so your heart's racing and you're like i just want to get out of here right now it's very hazy couldn't see anything i got pinched kind of between two storms where and they were both tornado warned and it started getting dark it was night and i had nowhere to go except to try to outrun them east and I was just new to it, you know, and so I was just flying down farm roads at night. I got to save myself. I got to get out of here. And I went east, and then I had to race south to get out of the path of one coming. And I remember going south and seeing, like, dust blowing across the road, and it suddenly became a tornado that I'm like, oh, it's a tornado probably. And I was like, God, I'm just praying to you right now. Just if I get safe, I just I need you to get me safe from this storm. And I got south of it, and then I got out of it. And it is immediately from fear of, you know, like I made a mistake to... You know, I knew I was safe on radar. I look up and the storm is passing me to the north and it's just bubbling and lightning and all stuff. And I went from fear to like, awe. It's fun though. I will say this about storm chasing. It's a high and low hobby or life where maybe doing it this long now, I'm starting to mellow a little bit where the highs are, they're still pretty high, but the lows aren't so low. But there's been plenty of times where I'm super excited about a day and I go out there and realize I made a mistake and missed where I should have been. And then I see pictures from other people of where I should have been and leaves you in tears and you just want to like quit. I made a mistake. And when you love something this much and have this much passion for anything, you love it so much. And then when you fail at it or don't do a great job, it's just, it kills you, you know, to your core. But our landscapes, the sunset colors, the lightning, the dust storms, the winds and the stuff you see are just unbelievable. Art in the 48 podcast is a production of Arizona PBS. I'm Craig Baumler. Please join us again for the Art in the 48 podcast, your Arizona arts connection. Arizona.